welcome to the Only Fools and Horses podcast. That's Blackwood, who played the part of The Shadow in the episode The Longest Night. How's it going? Very well indeed, thank you. Very well indeed. Nice and really happy to um, be here on your podcast. And everything's good in my end. So, yeah, wonderful. Great. So, first of all, how did you get the part as The Shadow in The Longest Night? Right, okay. So, my agent got a call from Ray Butt, world-famous Ray Butt, and I got asked to come down to see him at the um, TV centre, White City, the old BBC TV centre, White City. So I went down there, didn't know too much about him, but obviously I'm a big fan of Only Fools and Horses. And uh, he was there at the reception, near enough. I mean, I, I gave my name and, you know, within a few minutes he was down and he had this script in his hand and he looked like Del Boy. Like he had Ray, but he had a flat cap. He just looked like a bit of a spiv. And he said, how are you, Vass? You all right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm really well. He said, come with me, come on. So I followed him. He took me in the lift up to the sort of sixth floor or something like that. And at the time, White, the, um, the um, TV centre at White City, it's like a, it's like a kind of a, like, it's like a maze, really. It's, it's, it goes round and round and, you know, round and round. We went had sort of like a half circle on the sixth floor, round and round and round. And away going, everything, everywhere looks the same. Put me in an office. No one's in the office. I'm on my own. And he said, right, here's this script. Read it and I'll be back. And you tell me what you think. And he's gone. And I thought, well, do you know what I mean? This is like, I mean, this was a long time ago and it was unusual. So I opened the script and started to read it. You know, I'm not, not the fastest of reading. I love reading. I'm not the fastest of reading. Slightly dyslexic, but I, I actually read this script. I probably read it in the 30 minutes. So if you say a page is a minute, Right, in filming, when you when you get a script, a page is a minute. So I kind of, you know, and I was laughing. I was laughing because knowing the characters and I had a vision already. And he came in maybe about 45 minutes later or so. And he walked, he said, right, what do you think? I said, it's really good. It's really good. Really, really good. Yeah, that's brilliant. He said, right, you're going to do it then, yeah? You do it, you're going to do it, aren't you? You're going to do it. I was like, I was up for a TV series, right? Channel 4, and this is just a one one app. So I kind of, being the young professional actor, I was like, and he said, come on, let's, let, 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 let's t- I'll take you back downstairs. You can hold on to the script. So he's rushing me back again around this half circle. I'll never forget it. Put me in the lift, took me downstairs. And I said to him, you know what, Ray, now, I'm, I'm, like, I'm up for this thing at Channel 4. And I'm sort of mumbling away, but I'm sure. Like, no, 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 don't worry about it. You want to do it, you want to do it. You're going to do it, yeah. I'll talk to your agent. So they're like, boom, boom, like, out you go, gone. And I phoned my agent and I said to my agent, do you know what? I said, this guy's powers of persuasion, but, you know, I'm still up for that job at Channel 4. Yeah, they haven't said yes, they haven't said no. And in the end, yeah, that was was very fun. But in the end, I just basically, in the end, what I did, I because the Channel 4 people were messing around, just the way casting goes sometimes. And there was a little bit of a time and we were closer to doing... The only fools and horses. I just said, you know, I'm going to go with this, and uh, that was it, really. But it, he he stuck it on, as they say, he stuck it on me. <laughs> so they wanted me to do it. And Mandy, Mandy Fletcher, the director, you know, and even then, you know, like Ray was a Ray's a guy's very ahead of his time, Ray Butt. Like he he promoting women directors with high profile comedies back then in the eighties was just brilliant, you know? So, and she was really hot, really hot director. Went on to do loads of, loads of stuff, loads of stuff. Um, but yeah, smashed it. That was it. I was in, I was in. Cause it was a true story, Vass, wasn't it? The, um, the robbery, apparently John Sullivan had read it in a newspaper that um, oh, really? a criminal and a security manager and security guard were in on it, weren't they or something? Well, 
Do you know what? I used to have lots of chats with John Sullivan and um, he used to tell me loads of different stories. So, and I'm I like one of these guys when I'm working on something, you know, I take in stuff. I'll get into it. I got into, I had a lot of time with him and I think he might've said something to me about that, but I would have just let that, I would have let that one filter out a little bit. I wouldn't have like, Oh really tell me about it. And blah, blah, blah. I know that because of the way I, I, I kind of try to undertake a role. But he told me loads of other stuff that I do remember, you know, like being a scene shifter and, you know, his life and such a lovely man, John Sullivan. A really, really cool guy, man. You know, and it's nice when you know they wanted you for something, you know. I believe he did tell me that, but I didn't take it in. I didn't take it in. You just reminded me because I, I wouldn't have because I would have been just trying because you know the whole process it's um it's like a rehearsal so I meet David Nicholas and we rehearse uh somewhere in Ealing I think it was yeah like these just like a church hall so it's a week's rehearsal and then we did the OBs which are at the supermarket which was in um Ealing somewhere as well Tesco's in Ealing and it was a Sunday when they weren't open back then and uh, we had the full place so we shot all of that in one right one day so the actual performance, and I've often said this to people, and I don't know whether you were going to answer the question, but I might as well just say it to you. The performance on the script, on it's all in the manager's office because the locks, the the the, 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 um, the 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 safe is on a twenty-four hour time lock. So basically, the audience—it was a live audience, old school BBC TV centre. So they watched the OB on the big screen, like on the cinema. And I'm screaming, oh, don't take me up to the office, don't take me up to the office, not the office. And they're watching all of that on the screen. And then all of a sudden, when he goes, get in there, Gordon. Binden, is it Binden? He, he, he was in EastEnders. Um, yeah, John, John, isn't it? John. John, John, yeah, John. John's chucked me in. And when he's chucked me into the office, the office, that's live. That's there on stage. On, on, and the audience are watching that. Open the safe with the gun. And that's it. We're off. So it's like a theatre performance. Because we don't leave the office, whereas most other owner fields and horses eps, you've got the living room, you've got the pub, you've got some OB, which they're watching. But this was really intense. This was on. It's a very unique episode, as you say. And I think it's testament to the actors because it really works, doesn't it? Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. We smashed it. We really did. And I've got to say, I always say, you know, Nicholas Linders, I've got to send my love to Nick because um, he was the one that gave me the line, shat adult. Yeah, yeah, he said, really? he said, say it like that. Yeah, yeah, because I was doing something in the rehearsals. I was like, you know, they seek him here, they seek him there. Those policemen seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven or is he in hell? That damn illusion. And I can't remember what I was doing, but obviously, you know, in rehearsals, you're building up to it, you know, and, and especially when you know that you're going to be, re- you're gonna, you know, you start the Monday, you know, you're going to be recording this on uh, like the Monday after or the sun, the Sunday, the Sunday. So you, it's just, you know, your, your process. And he's a gentleman because he didn't say anything to me, but obviously they could see that I was getting there. I was getting there. They could see what's going to come when we actually do this performance. And they could see that Bass is holding his own. And then he just said to me, I remember him saying it one day, he said, he said, do, do, do it. Why don't you just say, just say, shut uh, don't. <laughs> and I went, yeah, 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 I'll do that, Nick. I didn't think, you know, because some actors would be like, oh, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> what? You're telling me how to tell my lines? How dare you? Do you know what I mean? But I was like, yeah, 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 that works. Kept it in and that was it. When you mentioned about The Flat, I was reading only three episodes. The Flat didn't feature your episode. Cash and Curry from Series 1, who's a pretty boy as well, where they sell the canary. They're the only three episodes where The Flat isn't featured, strangely. Wow. 
Yeah, I did not. That is really good. That's that's very interesting. I did not know that. Really cool, man. I mean, uh, yeah, I knew there was something special about it. And I had a few of my friends, quite a few of my friends came down, you know, to watch it. I could hear them just killing themselves with laughter in the um, <laughs> up in the gallery there. They were just killing themselves. They were really having it off. And I, I was thinking, yeah, man, we've got this on the roll. And, you know, we didn't really have to stop many times. So we really gave it good to the audience. I believe 17 million people watched it that once because it was on the Saturday. Did you keep the script? But then if I, if I had kept that script, I don't think I would, have, I would have kept it. I wouldn't have done anything with that. Nah. A lot of people have asked me. I don't know, you're probably not asking me that. Just ask me as the question here. But a lot of people in the, um, you know, like auctions and things like that, celebrity auctions and whatnot, they've asked me for that script. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have given it away because of the performance. I really worked hard, you know. We we all worked hard, and there's some classic lines in it. When like Rodney steals my cigarettes, mm-hmm. and I take them back from him, and I say to him, "There's no need to steal." But the funny thing is, just before that, they're like, you know, it's a 24 hours, so they've been sleeping, and then there's a door slamming from outside, like that, and Doug goes, "What's that? What's that? What's that?" And Uncle says, "It weren't me." Like he farted, you know. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. And then they see Rodney's guy for the cigarette. Everyone thinks he's going to get the gun and he picks out the cigarettes. Because there's always the plonker line. In every hit, there's the plonker. So it's where, and that's where he gives him the plonker. And I nick the fags off him and I say to him, you know, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. There's no need to steal. And it's like, that line, that's one of my funniest lines. Like, every time I think of that, like, even if I watch it, I think to myself, that's a really funny line. Yeah. The irony right. of it, isn't it, really? You're there, yeah. you can sit in your hand and you're throwing yeah. him off for nicking a fag, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're licking my fags. Yeah, give me a back. Yeah, yeah I can't recall an episode, Baz, sorry, where, if you like the special guests, because they had a lot of special guests throughout the episodes, who had such a main part. I mean, I, I thought your character was like, of that episode, was the main character in it, above David and Nick, really. You had yeah. a really good part, didn't you, in it? Real. Yeah, because because I had the gun, the Luga. <laughs> That's it. And, you know, I always said to myself, I used to say to myself, well, I, you know, I said, Listen, you've got Rodney and Dell, right, in, a ma- in the manager's office, right, the, the safe's on a time lock, and you've got a Luger, toy Luger at that, but you've got the Luger, and they've got, they've got to behave themselves. And they really did. They did. I think they've really played it up. They played it. They, and if you watch them, you know, if you, if you study what they're doing and how they do it, they go about doing it. They really played it up proper played it down to play it up if you know where I'm coming from they were they were so giving to me in the performance it was a balanced mm. thing and you know even at the end when they've worked it all out they're going to be the millionth customer and blah blah Rodney you know um sorry David and Nicholas 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 says you know he looks in the bag at the end and he says oh these are gonna have to go straight in the fridge when we get <laughs> home and I'm like just giving it up giving it up 
really going for it, you know. Delboy yeah. got your job as well as the security guard, didn't he? Got as, well, the the job as well as the security guard. I like the line from Uncle Albert when, of course, you can't open the safe till 8 a.m. in the morning. He says, Oh, well, can't you come first thing in the morning? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They're just giving it up. They really were. And well, as I said, you see, Nick gave me that line, that word, do it like that. And the rest, they just left me alone. They didn't say anything. They didn't overtly laugh. Whatever I was doing in the rehearsals with Mandy, they didn't, they didn't, no, 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 just, they didn't play it down. They didn't play it differently in the rehearsals. They played it exactly the same. Break, we talk about different things. But yeah, when I think back, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity because they're both, all three of them, and the show within itself is a British classic. It's a classic comedy series. And to be a part of that, absolutely incredible. You know, it really is. Because it's not like they say they don't make them like that anymore, but it, it, they, it's, they really don't make them like that anymore. They don't. It's all in the, the writing. Well, Ray Butt, you know, there's not many producers about like Ray Butt. There are. Obviously, they have to kind of conform to how things are done now. But he was, he was ahead of his time. Because again, what people don't realise, well, some people don't realise it, but I like to let people know it was, all, it was directed by a woman and uh, she was, and she's hot, really hot, really. She knew her stuff. She weren't messing about, Mandy. She's really clever, very clever director. You know, and then Lennox, you know, Afro-Caribbean and everything. So it was all just, it was, it was really ahead of its time. Very good, very good. Yeah. And uh, Sir David Jason said he was very good in the role as the shadow. What was it like working with him? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was one of my favourite shows to watch on TV, Saturday, because those days, Saturday, you'd go out or, you know, your friend would call you on, on the house phone and you'd meet them or something like that. Things were done like that. But I would watch Only Fools and Horses because it would be one of the reasons to stay in, you know, type of thing. The funny thing was that when we were rehearsing, it was like we'd all turn up in our normal clothes, you know, and, you know, Nick would be talking about taking flying lessons and, <laughs> and like David talked about this and that. That was like them. And then we'd get into rehearsals and then they'd cut back out of it. And I kind of knew Nick. Nick knew people I knew. I know. He knows people I know. We know, we know we've got mutual friends in the industry. So he knew me. He kind of knew of me, you know. So we were we were all right. We were cool. And then David's just really cool, you know, just cool. And um, Buster, you know, amazing. But when we turned up, when we did the first filming at the supermarket, luckily it was at the supermarket, right? And they turned up in their costume, in with the Wranglers and the pleats and the, the, the jacket and the yeah, ring. Didn't it? And the yeah, yeah, and the cap. And Nick, the parker. And these jeans too short at the ankles and busting. And I looked at them, I, I, my character went. I just, I had lost Lennox for a few seconds, honestly, because I was like, I was like watching them on television at home. And I just started, to, I was laughing inside. And I had to find Lennox again and say, do you know what? This, you got to, this is a good, it's a good reason you really got your nut down and you really kind of worked in the rehearsals because this could be very, because you just want to laugh. When you see them in live dressed like that, you you laugh, you laugh because it's very funny. And he's doing all of that with his hands and all of that, and all of that. And you see, when they're doing all of that, and you're watching them, you've got to stay in the character because if you watch them too much and get into what they're doing, you'll start laughing. You will because they're funny. They they're like they're like a unit, you know, a real mm. unit. 
They, they, they really do become Bell, Rodney and Uncle. No messing about. Very, very good. That's another thing as well. I think people tend not to, but you watch that. That's old school. They, they really do. They're doing it. They're really doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it suddenly became real, didn't it, Vaz, when they're in the costume? You know, rehearsing was one thing, wasn't it, in normal clothes? Yeah. But when you see them in the costume, you think, wow, this is, uh, this is really happening now, sort of thing. Full hundred. Full yeah. 110%. So it was like, they're gone. They're gone. Like, if you don't know your stuff now, you're finished. They were the characters. But I was ready for them. But for a second, I, 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 I just thank God that I'd rehearsed hard and was ready for it. I was ready for anything they threw at me. And they didn't ramp it up. They kind of did the same thing. Because, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's this thing that happens in my industry. Sometimes, sometimes you get some actors, they'll rehearse a certain way. Yeah. They'll give you like 65%. That's to make the director happy. Right. Don't worry about you. Right. And then come the performance when the cameras are on them and everything and it's all go. You get the extra 35, whatever. Yeah. It can not throw you, but it can be a little bit like, yeah, you didn't expect it because that 35, it's like it's, it could be rather than raise his voice. He shouts. You know what I mean? You know, you kind of have to react to it a certain way. Some actors are like that. But David and Nicholas and Buster, they they played it very much like in the rehearsals. They ramped up with me. And they, they could see when I was getting it, they were stepping up with me and they didn't. So it was it really, it, I could have, I, my performance could have, um, I'll say this, my performance could have spoilt it and they would have been struggling maybe to try some things to get it up there. But they didn't have to do that with me. They just kind of, I just did what I had to do and they just kind of just got on with what they had to do, be subjected to this, this fella here. I knew him from somewhere. I knew him from somewhere, right? Did he used to sell shoes down at the market? No, 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 no. And I knew him from somewhere. But at first, I didn't know him. And then I started to know him. And then I remembered him. And then he remembered me. And, you know, my mum and, how is she? She's all right. She's still suffering from her feet. And he's like, yeah, well, that's the shit shoes he was selling. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you know what I mean? There was a journey there. There's a little subplot. And he was working it and I was working it. Brilliant, brilliant. And he did. He complimented me. He was interviewed on something and he said, you know, I went on to do some good things and everything. So, David, and I really do, you know, I send my love out to him all the time because it's such a nice thing to do because he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to say that, you know, I mean, he's not like that at all, but he didn't have to. And I teach my children the same thing. People don't have to do things like that for you at all. You have to try and make make things make things happen for yourself, as it were. But when you get compliments from someone as prestigious and, and, and at the upper echelon of his career, like they said, David Jason, it's a good thing to take. You take that with you. And what you were saying, like how it was building up, like how you knew Dell from somewhere. I, th- I thought it was very funny with the watch. Do you remember? Because yeah, your watch, watch was from the market and you was now behind, was you or something, to open the safe? Yeah, bloody watch. Bloody watch. Yeah, Some people they'll pull, up, they'll pull up next to me in the car and shout. They'll tell me to pull the window down, pull the window, go, bloody watch. <laughs> they laugh yeah bloody watch yeah the, the watch because I bought it off him my mum bought it off him did it change your life as would you say would you say that was if you look back because you've had a great career would you say that was the one that really launched your career or you yeah well, you things before didn't you yeah yeah you know that yeah that's right you know the funny thing is I'll tell you something this is the strangest thing I start like I'm like nearly 40 odd years 40 odd years in as an actor professional actor never done anything else 
And a friend of mine called me up the other day and he was going, it's like, Frankie, he's a bit of a dull boy, right, Frankie? And he was saying to me, I said, how are you, Frankie? And he's like, oh, no, that's all right, all right, I'm good. He goes, you know what, Bash, you've been acting for 40 odd years, you know? And I was going, I was like, yes, Frankie. And then I started to do the, the equations. I was thinking, wow, that's a, no, yes, it is, he's right, he's right. And he said, yeah, yeah, you have, mate, you have, mate. And I said, well, where is this going, this conversation? Well, I'll tell you what. He said, Vass, I'll tell you, he said, they want to put your name up on the wall, son. You've got to put your name up on the wall. And I was thinking, it's interesting that is now. Funnily enough, I'm about to launch a website, my first ever website as an actor, because it's 40 odd years, current 40 odd years, 40 odd years, right? Got my equity card and this and the other. But what's happening is that what I found is that my career is going on to another level. It's going on to something else now. You know where I'm coming from. And then I can look, the strength is in the work. For instance, if someone's established 48 years and someone's established like say 10 years or whatever the case may be, it should be the fact that the person that's been established for quite a while, if you go into a shop, there's two restaurants, one's established there and one's established there. It's like the food has been good in there for that long. It's interesting. And I mean, being an actor and still in the business, I've got a really good agent and everything. I'm very lucky in that sense eager to know what next, what there is next because I'm I'm ready for it because you know we all grow differently and I, I still to an extent don't quite look my age and you know so but there's things there's things but listen only fools and horses it put B, the, the BBC know they're very proud of that job that 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 show right and they know the actors that came out of that show and you know the BBC do great stuff now there's so much out there. There is so much out there. So really just in playing that role, it's kept me in very good stead with many of the other roles that I've played. So I believe that I'm looking forward to playing a role where I might say to myself, that was a little bit like Lennox or something like that. And it's a good thing because it's an interesting thing, my industry. And, I'm, and, I, and as I said, I've, I've been kind of just toying with it a little bit. And, you know, you analyze things a little bit. And um, yeah, I am very lucky to have played that role. I still can't quite work out what, like the, the circle still hasn't completed itself as far as my works are concerned. So it's very much, it's just one that's in my, um, it's in my portfolio, but it's a very good one because it's like, you know, every day I meet someone new every day that like, give me a line from that. I've never met them before. So it's definitely in the, um, UK people psyche and everything of that sort and yeah I mean I I, I really enjoyed playing that role really enjoyed playing that role I would like to do I, I definitely think I'll be doing something again similar very similar but different at different circumstances whether it's a film or a tv show or something like that definitely but it's very hard to top but if anyone can top it I can because in life, generally, even whether it's not acting or not, what we all do, you know, you're all, everyone's looking to, you want to better yourself. And you should never take desperate measures to better yourself. You should just believe in yourself. So you have to find a lot of self-belief and being an artist, because I'm an artist, ultimately speaking. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to things ahead, you know. Yeah, and then, like, you know, you guys getting in touch. I mean, some actors say, oh, no, nah, man, I did that ages ago. I'm not talking about that. But I'm quite the opposite. Because it's like, you know, everyone's life's like in a circle and it comes round to it. And when it comes round to it, you'll see the package of the work, what you're walking about the marketplace with. And people can't even, they can't refuse you. They've got to give it to you because they, they'll say, you know, you know, man, people like that. They like what he does. You know, so it's kind of like, it's just art. 
right now there's a lot of platforms out there it's, it, my industry has changed to a degree but it's still the same thing there's always a place i might not be able i might not ever work with a producer like ray butt again because just vintage but the respect has got to be given to me the fact that i did work with ray butt because if yeah. you look at the credits if you look at the and, and writers like john sullivan We've got some off-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie LPs, pool games, gold chains, wuss names, and Edda Push, and Trevor Francis track suits from a mush and shepherd's bush. Push, 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 push. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. Street. Long live Hooky Street Same man if 